Welcome to Physicians Weekly. Hi, welcome to this episode of Physicians Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Giles from Medical Medical Publishers in collaboration with Physicians Weekly. The Physicians Weekly Podcast provides thought leader insights on the latest medical news, clinical trial coverage, and advances in medicine and healthcare. In today's episode, I want to take a somewhat deeper dive into an aspect of medical conferences that often gets overlooked. The fact that there's a lot of business going on that's not only about the late-breaking clinical trials. If you've ever been lucky enough to attend a medical congress of more than 3,000 people or so, you will know that this is a great place for industry exhibits, highly interactive poster sessions, fundamental research being presented, which is essential for clinical developments, patient advocates walking around, and meetings between sponsors and project leaders happening in adjacent hotels or during industry symposia, or even in small huddles in the hallways of the Congress Hall. Recently, I attended ASCO's Genitourinary Cancer Symposium in San Francisco, California, which is a relatively small Congress with only 5,800 delegates attending this year. I wanted to capture some of these stories, so I talked on the street with two patient advocates for kidney cancer, both survivors, Brian Lewis and Howard McClurd, who were there representing kidney cancer patients. One word about kidney cancer, which is the group that these two gentlemen were both representing, and this fact amazes me, which is that in 2016, Congress allocated zero dollars in funding dedicated for kidney cancer research, and through the power of advocacy, kidney can alone have raised that number to 235 million in six years. We also speak with Dr. Michelle Oshueri from Professor Lisa Hensky's lab at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. And he was there as a fundamental scientist interested in a rare type of kidney cancer called chromophobe renal cell carcinoma. He talks about his work on the unique pathophysiology of chromophobe kidney cancer and the unmet need in patients for targeted therapies, and also about his recent publication of that group looking at ferroptosis as the potential Achilles heel for this type of tumor. We thought it was best to sandwich Dr. Michelle Oshuary with the two patient voices, kind of for diversity there. So enjoy listening. Mr. Lewis, I know you're a survivor of kidney cancer, but could you tell me a little bit about yourself and what organization you're representing? Sure, hi, I'm Brian Lewis. I'm the president of Kidney Can. Would you mind telling our listeners what the advantages of a patient group or patient representative or advocate to be present at a medical conference? Yeah, great question. I think, first of all, especially in post-COVID days, meeting one-on-one with people, being face-to-face, there's some kind of value there that you don't get through teleconference. So that's the first thing, just getting to see people again, meeting them, reading body language, you know, a lot. there's a lot to be said there. There's also a dearth of patients here. And so we're a little bit of a celebrity in that there's hundreds and hundreds of doctors and researchers and not a lot of patients, so people want to talk to you. How would you explain to your colleague advocates what the added value is of attending a medical congress and was there a learning curve? Yeah, um, it's taken me a number of years. I was just saying that this is my fifth or sixth ASCO and I'm just now starting to understand some things. So it's not for the the faint of heart. It's probably not for the newest or earliest diagnosed patients and caregivers, but it's definitely valuable in that you're diving in, you're learning, every session you learn something new, it's how well and how quickly you can learn the medical language and the information. How do you process that? Do you report back to the patients in your group? 
I actually depend on the IKCC to do their synopsis every time and, and so that I can see what I've learned or thought I've learned and then hear from the experts who've interpreted the data. So when you say one of the values of attending a meeting is being able to meet up with people, are these just the doctors and researchers that you're interested in speaking to or is this also an opportunity to speak with your sponsors? Yeah, both. What happens here at ASCO is the first day is for the prostate community, the second day is for the bladder community, and the third day today is for the kidney community. And so we use the first two days to do a lot of meetings, and we schedule a lot of meetings with industry, but we're also needed to be a part of other meetings with them where we give them feedback and, and give some insights. So it's a great opportunity to have everybody in one area and you get to meet a lot of people over a few days. Now, if you could just distill the learnings from the last few days into a single take-home message that you can act upon, what would that be? Yeah, the one big takeaway for me is I just heard there were 5,800 people here. That means there's about 5,700 people that are trying to cure or come up with accelerations of cures for these different genitourinary diseases, and that makes me happy and gives me hope. Perfect. Thanks so much, Mr. Lewis. Good luck. Next, I speak with researcher Dr. Michel Oshuary, who's talking about his fundamental research in understanding the pathophysiology of chromophobe renal cell carcinomas, which is a rare subtype. Thank you, Dr. Oshuary. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I am Michel Alshwery. I'm a postdoc research fellow. I work in Dr. Lisa Hensky's lab in Bigham at Women at Boston. So basically, uh, Dr. Lisa Hensky is a medical oncologist who's working her whole life on two genetic diseases, uh, tuberous sclerosis complex TSC and Burkhog-Dubé BHD. A common aspect or manifestation between these two syndromes is uh, the chromophobia cell carcinoma and that's how we got interested in, in this rare subtype of renal cell uh, cancer uh, and we were interested in uh, studying its uh, metabolic pathway, uh, f finding new pathways to find new targets for its, for treating it basically. Could you speak to the unmet need both in patients and in laboratory approaches to answering these questions? Okay, so uh, especially in uh, metastatic renal cell carcinoma, we lack treatments. Basically, there's a lot of death. And in another uh, subtype of unmet needs, we only have one validated cell lines and we don't have any mouse models because there's no driver mutations compared to, for example, renal cell carcinoma or TSC, where you can uh, deplete VHL or other genes. So we're kind of stuck between these two problems and we're trying to discover this area, trying to research on it. So, so if I understand correctly, the unmet need is actually the lack of understanding of the basic biology behind chromophobe renal cell carcinoma. Exactly. And this is with the hope that you'd be able to repurpose or at least specifically target the underlying defect in chromophobe RCC? We hope like, to, find, uh, to be closer to target the chromophobe and because the clinical trials also has only a limited number of chromophobe patients, so we look to find new targets, new mechanisms, new pathways, and try to explore it. And what have you found so far? So our recent published uh, paper, which was published uh, like June uh, to 2022, so talks about a newish uh, cell death type, which is called ferroptosis. So ferroptosis is 
a uh, iron accumulated uh, cell death type where the plasma mem membrane lipids are oxidized and if the cells weren't able to counter this oxidization it, there will be cell death. So we found that chromophobe cell lines are hypersensitive to this kind of cell death by inducing ferroptosis either by erastin or by cystinase. Because previously we published that a chromophobe has 50-fold increase, so 5-0-fold increase of glutathione compared to normal kidneys. And glutathione is our major antioxidant, so we exp explored that to see if they, uh, they produce this much glutathione for, for being hypersensitive or like resistant. And when we treated with an uh, antioxidative uh, agent, we found that chromophobe are chromophobe cell lines actually in vitro are uh, sensible to, to this agent and that's uh, how we translated to see clinically how we can translate this. We saw that there's an antiporter or transporter on the clinical membrane which is called XCT or SLC7A11 which transports cysteine and gets out glutamine. So and cysteine is one of the uh, rate limiting amino acids for production of glutathione. And when we inhibit this transported either pharmacologically by uh, erastin or uh, genetically, we found that there's uh, a lot of cell death in chromophobe to a greater extent, for example, compared to clear cell cell lines. So now we're hoping to advance this because, as I said before, there's no clinical trials or something investing in trials in chromophobe for ferroptosis, for example, these two drugs that we used in the paper, one is being developed for a like cysteine metabolic syndrome, cysteine disease metabolic syndrome, and the other, the erastin, it's, uh, it has a short half-life and it's been hard to develop a longer half-life for this. So we're hoping either that someone does, because uh, also clear cell are sensitive to, uh, to ferroptosis, but we found that chromophobe is, to a greater extent, is uh, sensitive. So are we hoping that someone will be working on this and we can just incorporate our chromophobe. Thank you so much for taking the time to explain your important work. Good luck with your research. Thank you so much. Next, I'm here with patient advocate Howard McClurd. He'll introduce himself. Certainly. My name is Howard McClurd. I'm a patient, patient survivor of kidney cancer. Um, I'm also an advocate with Kidney Can. It's an organization that advocates research and development of accelerating a cure for cancer itself. Thank you, Mr. McClurd, for speaking with us. So from your point of view as a patient advocate, what do you get out of attending the Medical Congress? And is it something you'd recommend? I believe patients would like to come to this conference basically on, on learning about what's new and what kind of treatments are actually functionally working. What's the next best thing? I think right now I've learned some things about biomarkers that I never knew about. I've learned that there are some new testing coming out that can really help physicians determine whether or not surgery is a good option or, or treatment first and then surgery or no surgery at all. So there are a multitude of information that's given out that it's, it's quite interesting. A lot of it is, of course, over my scientific knowledge, but it's really the conversations talk into normal person could, could actually understand. So I, I think it's a real benefit um, if you are a patient that you could come to an event like this. Secondly, as a person that looks for a patient advocacy group like myself with Kitty Can, it's interaction with industry. So we're here obviously to talk to industry about support, about actually 
diving into the research and development of drugs itself, the investigational medicine, the raw data that these guys start with to bring a drug through. So in addition, we, we really had an opportunity to talk to a little bit about the impact of governmental influence on that research and development over time, the new IRA kind of movement with, with the restrictions that are coming up, you know, and, and how it will impact research and development over time. So that was a very, very interesting fact. How do you interact with the doctors and your sponsors? Do you find that they're generally open to patient involvement in improving their services? I've seen over the past few years an actual increase in the doctors really wanting to know, and industry too, about the patient perspective. So it's important that the patients really do take the time to let them know what their thoughts are, what their thoughts are about everything, whether or not just surgery, but whether about the drugs, whether about the fears of taking the drugs, what's the response rate, what's, you know, the, all the general questions you really should be answering anytime you're involved in this. So do your research just like you really should, as in anything, if you were going to buy a car, whether you're going to have treatment on, on cancer. So these are things that people sometimes get so trapped up in the fear factor and getting hit with, with the diagnosis itself that they kind of skip that step. And as you acquire these experiences attending a meeting like this, how do you actually transmit that information to other patients who were perhaps unable to attend? Well, as far as our, our group, we do have a patient portal that, that kind of gets into that. Also, Smart Patients is a, another uh, web platform that we, we talk about with thousands of other patients so that we try to get that information out as we get this information to put it out in multiple places. Do you think that the patient experience can actually move the needle? I think so. Um, I, I think that physicians are really listening, and that's that's a big factor. I, I hear now that you know a lot of times in these seminars they're actually talking about how we we talk to patients and ask them what do you feel, what is what do you want to do? This is what I, I suggest, but this is you, and, and everybody's feelings about how their treatment, what they want to do, is very very important. So the that they are starting to really listen more now than ever. Great. Any final words to your advocate colleagues? <laughs> well, a couple things. Number one, be diligent. Go to a center and, and a person of excellence that has got a great reputation in your diagnosis itself. Secondly, you know, become an advocate. If you're a survivor, you're going through this, obviously we want, we want to move the needle for every patient today and tomorrow. So. Please join us in trying to help find a cure. Thanks for your insights, Mr. McClurd. Appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and stay healthy. Physicians Weekly is produced in collaboration with Medicom Medical Publishers and Physicians Weekly. 